Well, hey, how's it going? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today's episode is about building serverless applications. So let's say hi to our panelists, and then we'll meet our guest. Joining us today, we've got Bonnie Brennan. Bonnie, how's it going? Hi. I'm excited. I know I'm always excited. I, I feel silly saying that, but I'm super excited because I missed you guys. We've skipped a week, did we? And then Samantha took my panelist spot. So Samantha, like, usurped me. And, she, and so I haven't seen you guys in a few weeks, so I'm really excited to see you all. Yeah, it's been a minute, so it's, it's good to have you back. <laughs> and we've got uh, Austin McDaniel with us. Austin, what's going on? How's it going? And Bonnie, I'm excited to see you as well. Aww. And even more excited for our guest. I know this is a very exciting guest. And I know I always say that, but for real, this is exciting. What a great segue into our guest. Uh, as you said, we're very excited to have her, Simona Cotin. Simona, how's it going? Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Angular Air. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> Everyone's super excited, right? So um, I'm, I haven't seen you since NGConf, I believe. So for me, it's been like two minutes or more than two minutes. Um, Angular is one of my favorite frameworks. So I'm, I'm very happy. Wait, one of? No, There's more than one framework? No, no I was just trying not to play favorites, but definitely it is my favorite framework. <laughs> cool. I'm just kidding. All right, <laughs> you you want to tell our viewers a little bit about yourself, what you got going on, that sort of thing? Oh, yeah, sure. So I'm Simona Kotin, uh, as Justin mentioned. Um, I'm I, I'm a developer advocate for Microsoft. I work in John Papa's team. Um, and our focus is uh, web technologies and um, making sure that JavaScript is a first-class citizen uh, in the cloud. So we're focusing on making, um, making um, I don't know, bringing Angular and React and Vue and um, all those amazing frameworks to uh, Azure. Um, and <laughs> apart from that, I'm also super passionate about uh, serverless. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and one of the reasons why I love serverless so much is because um, ever since I started working uh, with uh, serverless, with Azure Functions in particular, um, I feel like my development speed has increased so much. So now whenever I, like I'm working on an Angular project and then I need an API or I need something quickly to an endpoint to respond to some of my um, queries, in just a few minutes, I have something up and running um, somewhere out there that's accessible for everyone else. So, cool, cool. Yeah, so maybe we can start off with talking about what this concept is of serverless and, and what people think about it and stuff like that. Definitely. And I'm actually going to share my screen because I have some slides that I've been using in my past presentations. So uh, we're going to walk through some of the concepts that uh, we have in serverless, um, but also have the support of slides. Um, okay, sharing. Um, and yeah, so serverless. Um, one of the um, one of the things that I um, I 
I like to highlight about serverless is that um, it's basically two different parts or two parts that work together. Uh, the first one is where uh, we're basically looking at applications that depend on third-party APIs. Uh, you can think of this as uh, maybe Auth0 or some sort of database as a service. Um, and this, this is the type of code that you don't necessarily want to um, rewrite or you don't want to spend time in your team to implement uh, yourself. So basically not reinventing the wheel. Um, and the second part of serverless is writing custom code. And that's code that's uh, definitely uh, custom for your application. That's where uh, your application bill, uh, brings uh, business value. And that's also known as function as a service. I think that backend as a service has been, um, has been known and has been familiar uh, for a lot of us for a very long time. Um, and I think I, I think that custom code or function as a service uh, has been uh, maybe growing in usage in the past two or three years. Um, has any of you used uh, some of the serverless frameworks before? Would you now, would you consider like Firebase uh, a serverless? So Firebase, yes, Firebase is a serverless database. Um, and I believe that Firebase has now uh, Firebase functions as well. Um, and I know that it has Firebase, uh, it has authentication as a service. So definitely when you're building an application uh, that has your front end, your Angular, um, that relies um, on Firebase as a database and then custom code through Firebase functions, uh, then definitely you're building a fully serverless application. Yeah, I think it, in the world of Angular, right, it's it's really prevalent that we're kind of in this like structure and ecosystem, right? If, you th if I think about like I go back and I think about building a, a web application, maybe even Angular JS or back in the day, a Knockout or something like that. I'm always thinking about taking JavaScript and applying it to my website and doing some functionality and logic, but still a lot of server side delivery of that application or that website, right? But now within Angular, you really have this front end client. Um, kind of a single page application concept. And now you got to get your data and all this stuff from somewhere. And so it kind of almost leads you right into this right out the bat kind of feels like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, um, cool. Uh, so another, um, like there's three different things that um, we kind of um, need to consider when we're bu building serverless applications. Uh, the first one is that uh, our code, the code that we write as function as a service and not necessarily like um, when we have back backend as a service, uh, it's still the case. Um, we react to events and there's different types of events that um, your function as a service platform will listen to. Um, some of them are HTTP requests. Um, so we call that event uh, an HTTP trigger. Um, some of it might be maybe a file that has been uploaded on a storage account. And um, you can imagine a scenario where we have a CSV uh, file that's been uploaded um, to report some data, some IoT data maybe. Um, and then from that, uh, whenever it has been saved on the storage account, um, we trigger a function or we trigger our code to run and that code will process the CSV file. Um, and then from there, um, it will maybe save um, the formatted data in a database. 
the other key thing about uh, auto scale is also uh, uh, about serverless <laughs> is auto scale. Um, what this means is that uh, with serverless, um, you don't have to um, you don't have to worry about um, making sure that you're using a web server that can scale to a number of requests, uh, or you don't have to maybe um, keep a pager on to uh, make sure that you have um, enough resources for uh, the number of people. So provide um, some resources for an, a number of requests. Um, your serverless provider will actually make sure that you have enough instances for um for how many users are on your application. And then uh, the third item is that you pay as you go. Uh, so you no longer pay for idle time. Uh, traditionally, um, you would pay um, like a monthly bill uh, with the platform as a service. Uh, and that would mean that maybe only 20% of your um, of your um, CPU of or of the resources that you pay for um, are going to be um, used, and that's not great, right? Right. It's very complicated. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> one thing I think about when I think of like reacting to events, you know, this might resonate with the you know the the viewers is. You know, when you're building bots, like maybe I want to build like a GitHub bot, like when I check in some code, like it's going to do something like that, or like a Slack bot, like when someone mentions uh, uh, something, you know, that's triggering an event. And those are like two use cases that I've built around like serverless applications and are like great scenarios for, you know, serverless like this. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly mm -hmm. the case. Yeah. Um, I've also built a, um, a Slack command that will basically uh, take a word that I've written um, and query the noun uh, a noun project, the noun API, um, and uh, return a series of icons representing that word. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know auto scaling is cool. It's funny because I so we have behind the scenes, right? Because I, I have special uh, uh, joys as a panelist, and I get to see a little a little thumbnail of each one of everybody. And so while you're talking about uh, auto scaling and, and Justin's like nodding, and I always know that there's something cool going on because you see Justin silently nodding. And I like, I want to have that feature all the time in the, like in the little corner of my monitor. I just want to see Justin's face down there. So I know when I'm coding, I'm like going along doing my job, right? And have the nodding. Except yeah. then at some point he's going to have to start shaking his head. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't do that. That's bad code. <laughs> I get super excited about all of our content that our guests bring on here and talk. And yeah, the whole time I'm just, yeah. Like, so. <laughs> I know it's, but you're not always nodding. So I know there's like a cool moment going on when I see the nodding head and it's like, Justin's like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's true. I think Austin is tough audience, right? No? Austin I, is the toughest I, audience. Yeah. I, oh, I, speaking, of, speaking of that, we got another one. Alyssa joined us. Alyssa, how's it going? Yes. Hey, everybody. Alyssa. Yeah, I was going to say, you really can't base uh, how you're doing off of Austin because sometimes he's like a robot. Because that's what he's like. <laughs> Austin's well, here for our abuse. But, but it's I, guys, a I'm loving just, abuse. Like, so focused on, on, on the content. I just. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. Thank you. Uh, I'm just, I have one quick question. Um, so right now I'm only seeing my screen. I cannot see any of you. Uh, is that something that happens all the time or is it just? Uh... That's because Justin is sharing. So Justin is presenting you. 
and oh, you okay. can't see the little uh but you can on the, your other uh if you go if you go back to your google hangouts you can see us okay but that's when you get the inception and you go away yeah yeah that's not a good idea I yeah, think it's their design to help you as a presenter stay focused. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you'd but I just hear <laughs> I hear voices that I cannot. <laughs> yeah. It's just us. Yeah. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Um, so the next thing that I want to mention about serverless, um, uh, even though, uh, so we have the, these awesome things happening where we can react to events, uh, we can write code that uh, auto scales uh, magically. Uh, we don't have to worry about servers. Uh, we don't have to babysit them and we pay much less money, but obviously there's trade-offs, right? And one of them is the execution time limit. Um, what this means is that um, normally with serverless, you have uh, maybe a five minute or 10 minutes um, execution window um, after that uh, your function or your code will uh, time out um, so whenever you're building applications uh, with serverless you need to make sure that you keep that in mind your task is very granularly defined uh, it's a small task um, if you have very like high intensive uh, compute time uh, tasks serverless is not the solution for you um, the other thing is that functions are st stateless, and that's what allows us to build uh, the auto-scaling uh, functionality we mentioned earlier. Um, so what, what this also means as a trade-off is that uh, whenever we're calling functions, we cannot rely on having state uh, stored um, in memory or on the disk or in memory actually, uh, or on the local disk. Um, so if we want to, uh, if we want to reuse state, we either have to maybe use a queue to pass on messages, um, or we have to rely on a database to store some state. Um, in general, you shouldn't just, <laughs> in general, you should not keep stuff in memory on your server, yeah. right? Because then you can't, like you said, you can't scale, even if you're like writing a Node.js app or something like that. It shouldn't yeah. be kept in memory because, you know, when you have, if you have multiple servers, right? Like you hit one and it might be there and you hit the other and it might not. So this is like a great practice, even if you're not building serverless applications to do. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Thank you, Austin. Um, I do remember, though, the time when I was writing uh, Java applications that were run only one, on that one single server, um, and we had this huge session object that we kept in memory and we kept reusing. So um, that will not happen with functions. <laughs> hey, Simona, I've got a question about that real quick. Yeah. Um, about, uh, oh, never mind. I think your next slide is going to be the question. <laughs> so I'll just let you go. <laughs> So now transitioning into warm up time. <laughs> uh, I have a joke about this. So there's two ways of looking um, at this. Um, um, you have the um, half full glass type of person. That's not the right word or of words, right? Optimist. Full glass type of person or half glass type of person. Pessimist. Pessimist. So you could, um, if you're a pessimist, you'd call this a cold start. If you're an optimist, you'd call this a warm up time. <laughs> um, and this is basically the time required for um, for us to um, get from your code being stored somewhere um, and having it up and running um, and um, 
executing uh, your request. Um, and you can think of this. So when before that, I was saying that um, you pay as you go, uh, and you pay only for the CPU cycle and the memory that you're using while your code is running. Uh, so in this case, what this means is that uh, you ha we have some code uh, stored uh, in a storage account. Um, and then whenever we receive a request, we're just taking that code, um, starting up a container instance, putting that code uh, into that container instance, loading all the dependencies that we need, um, and then uh, fulfill the request. And that's the warm-up time. And it can be anywhere between maybe two or three seconds. No, yeah, maybe uh, a, a, hundred, a few hundred milliseconds um, up to two or three seconds, but I've seen this go even um, more than two or three seconds. So it, it really depends. So would you, you know, based on that, would you recommend this, right, for HTTP requests? Because, you know, typical interaction with HTTP requests is like instant, right? Like I want something and I want it right now as fast as possible. Whereas, you know, with things like bots or maybe like, uh, file storage where you're just watching, you know, those that warm up time doesn't matter as much then. Yeah, so I think that um, like even with bots, that's that's most of the times it's a it's an HTTP um, webhook. It's a webhook, right? And maybe the bot won't respond um, in like immediately millisecond, ten milliseconds. Uh, but I have a good example that someone was mentioning recently. Um, so in, in London, we have this um, a thing called the Oyster card, which you use to pay uh, all your trips with the, with the subway. And you have to tap uh, tap on when you get on the in the station, uh, and then you have to tap off uh, when you get uh, off the subway. Um, and someone working um, on the Oyster card was saying that they're using Azure Functions um, to uh, make a payment, to make the payment for uh, for your trip. Uh, and I'm sure that that's an HTTP endpoint somewhere. Um, they said that basically they don't really care whether uh, you're being charged um, within a millisecond or um, you're being charged within two or three seconds. So whenever it's user interfacing and it's time critical, uh, latency critical, uh, definitely um, it's not recommended to use serverless, but uh, if it's not time critical, if you're not um, user users are not expecting for a response from you um, instantly, then um, you can definitely use it, even for HTTP uh, triggered functions. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I I did want to clarify that for for everyone because we were talking about that earlier. Is there any way to like make it keep one warm or something like that? There's obviously there's workarounds. We're engineers and we like to find solutions to all kinds of problems. Um, one of the uh, one of the workarounds is maybe to um, to keep a timer function that will call. So you know that your function will time out uh, within ten minutes, right? Um, and if you call your function, if you call, you have your function calling itself um, every 10 minutes or every nine minutes, then that means that um, you can uh, keep that instance uh, running. Um, the problem that you might run into after that is that if you have uh, more than, um, if you need more than one instance, uh, then um, you'd still, the other users would still face uh, warm up time. 
Um, so maybe um, you have a script that keeps on calling a number of uh, function apps or instances. That would be so that, one. That sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, you're not paying a lot of money for that, but uh, still, yeah, it's not it's not fantastic. Uh, the other option, uh, for example, the um, Azure Functions team is actually uh, just brainstorming a new idea, um, a, a sort of hybrid type of serverless where um, you would keep a certain amount of, um, of instances warmed up uh, for your users. Um, and obviously that means that you will have to pay for those instances, but still you run in a, a serverless type of environment. What about... So, um... <laughs> there was a question in the chat uh, from Lars, and I'm just going to paste it in, and then uh, after, uh, go ahead and let uh, Austin ask his question, and then you can you can check that. Wait a minute. Is there any way to use like WebSockets with serverless? Yeah, no, that's that's the kind of use case that's not uh, great for serverless because um, eventually your container will be removed, uh, so that connection will. Um, will be closed. Um, another type of um, use case where serverless is not recommended is when you you need to have access to GPU. Um, you will never have access to that, or at least now you don't have access to that. So um, that's not recommended either. So the question was, uh, the serverless is not viable for implementing a backend for your application? And, and, and like I, I, when I first found Firebase, I love Firebase, right? And I would immediately spin up Firebase for development just because it's super, super easy to do that. Um, but maybe not necessarily for production or for actually, well, Firebase is good for production. Back then, I think uh, when it first came out, it was maybe not. Um, but so would you say that this is good for uh, implementing a backend or really this should be more for not for that purpose? So, uh depends what you mean by uh backend um definitely if that's the uh, immediate um endpoint that um your user is awaiting a response on um it's not the best use case that you will find um for example if it's if your backend includes tasks like uh sending uh some requests to not some requests but uh sending a bunch of email um, you start a, a campaign and you want to uh, send emails to all, all your customers. You have a 1 billion database, uh, 1 billion customers um, in the database and you want to send them an email. Um, you just spin up as many functions as you need and you send, um, you send that email. Uh, that's part of backend. Um, code, uh, but it's uh, if if by backend um, you mean uh, the actual endpoints where you retrieve a list of users and you want to display it um, in your website, uh, then probably uh, you might not want to do this. But if you have a billion users, rock on with your bad self because that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so so basically, and and it's kind of like what I did with the. Uh, with Firebase, like if you're using something to spin up quickly because you're doing so many proof of concepts and you're kind of moving and shaking as a developer, but if you have like a large app that's starting to scale and your users are depending on you and time sensitive, then that's a good problem to have. You go make a server. <laughs> but for now, but for getting up, spinning up quickly, this is like super perfect and easy. 
Yeah, and there's uh, obviously there's nuances to it. Uh, I know that there's people. Uh, one of one of the websites that is completely fully serverless um, out there is um, a Cloud Guru, and they offer uh, cloud training. So they have things like user management and video streaming, um, and their entire infrastructure, everything is serverless. Uh, so you can definitely achieve it. Um, and if you think of um, websites like uh, maybe um, like very large stores that are running um, um, Friday, um, Black Friday kind of uh, promotion or whatever, at some point, they're definitely going to reach uh, some sort of limit at their infrastructure. So I think that users generally, they're always going to experience some sort of um, delay uh, whenever there's stress times. So how is it, is it, what if you're not a, a a full stack developer is it like can you are you gonna show us show us show us show us, us. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah uh, i can i can show you um the way uh, so i'm gonna use azure functions um in this session um and uh, i'm gonna show you how we can create maybe an http uh function um and have it run locally and then maybe we can if we get enough time we can publish it to the cloud does is that okay sounds great yeah yeah um so this is vs code um and then uh, i've created just a new folder it's an empty workspace and then um in order to use azure functions in my local i need to install this uh, extension called uh, azure functions and I have it here. Um, it depends on, like, you can install it on, um, you can use it on all operating systems, uh, Windows, Mac, Linux. Um, and one thing that I want to mention is that right now there's two different versions of Azure Functions. Uh, the first one is built on top of the .NET framework, which means that it only runs on Windows. And then um, the, the current version, which is version two, is still in preview. Um, or beta, so um, it's probably going to be released in the following uh, months, uh, one or two or three months. Um, and uh, that one is built on top of uh, .NET Core, and it's supported on all platforms, so Windows, Mac, and Linux. Um, and I'm currently using my Mac. Uh, so I've installed this dependency. You, know, you can install it with Brew, um, and you have some instructions here on how uh, you can get started. Uh, but if I go back to the extension, so it's here where I have this Azure um, icon. And you can see um, this is a subscription that um, I have. I'm connected right now to my Azure account. Um, and um, I can list all the functions that I have created previously. Um, but, and this is it, not a lot. Um, and then I can go ahead and create a new project. And uh, this project is going to help me group um, all of the functions um, that have similar functionality, maybe. Um, so I can do that. I have to select the folder. And then um, there's different language support currently in uh, my local. I can... Sorry. Sorry, that was Lucy. No worries. Hi, Lucy. <laughs> um, so I can create JavaScript functions, I can create C-sharp function, and I create I can create Java functions uh, because um, we love JavaScript. I've, I've chosen JavaScript for my project. And then I can go ahead and create a function. Um, and here I have the types of events that a function can listen to. So I've mentioned previously an HTTP trigger. 
Um, we can also listen to um, events happening uh, in a storage account, um, events like a, a blob or a file has been uploaded um, in a um, in an account, a storage account. And you can imagine here the classical task where um, we have a bunch of images um, copied in a folder and we want to resize all of them um, whenever those images have been uploaded we functions are triggered and um, we resize them um, in a function and then a queue trigger is whenever um, we add a message on a queue and timer trigger is uh, like a cron job we're going to start with then or maybe which one would you want to see in action Bunny, you get Which to. What is your favorite? Well, I normally use HTTP trigger, um, but that's the one we want to see. Okay. <laughs> uh, hello, Angular Air. Um, so then we have different uh, authorization levels. Um, anonymous means that my uh, my function URL um, is going to be public for everyone. Um, function means that. Uh, to my URL, we're going to append a token, and everyone that calls in that function will have to use that token, um, and I'll have to figure out what admin does. Hold on. So we, where is your hello Angular error? Oh, because we can't see all of it. Um, uh, yeah, so, so this is the panel with the extensions for Azure, and this is right. where my code is. Uh, so now you can see that um, when I've created the function, um, we have this new folder, hello Angular Air. Um, and we also have, um, when, when we've created the project, um, we have this VS Code um, folder, which is basically the VS Code configuration for debugging functions. Hold on, can you go back? Where did you, where did you do that hello Angular Air? Where did that come from? It went so fast. Okay. <laughs> so you gotta tell us when you're about to do something cool. <laughs> So we're going to click this uh, icon uh, with create function. So it's like a light bulb with a plus. I'm going to gotcha. click that. I'm choosing the current workspace. Um, and then I can either create an HTTP trigger or a blob trigger. I'm going to choose a blob trigger for this one. Um, and then I give it a name. So ah, gotcha. another uh, cool function. OK. Um, and now uh, for why am I making things more complicated? <laughs> uh, because this is a blob uh, function, I need to connect it to a uh, storage account uh, that I have available uh, in the cloud. Um, and this is going to ask me for a path, like where, uh, to which path do I have to listen to? So let's say that I add this images. Um, I have to select a storage account. I'm going to use an existing one. I'm going to show you later on what happened here. But going back to our source code. So we've created our function in the extension, and now we have two folders. This is the HTTP function, and this is the uh, blob function. Um, she, she asks you to show this, and then she walks away. <laughs> did she? <laughs> I, I heard that uh, Samantha oh. walked in the door with tacos. So <laughs> yeah, because Samantha walked in, and I was like, "Does she have tacos?" So I just ah. I can still hear you. Sorry. Is this better? Yeah. That, yeah. That's, yeah. That's good. Okay. Uh, 
sorry for the inception. <laughs> okay, so going back to our HTTP function, um, what we have here is this function.json file, um, and this is basically a file that uh, describes uh, our function. So you will see here a thing that we have, we're defining a list of bindings. Um, this, is, uh, what, uh, this is what we use to communicate um, either with the function's runtime or with some of the, um, some of the services that we have um, available um, for us in the cloud, like some databases or um, the queue or the blob or any of that. Um, and then we define things like um, the authentication level, which we've seen, uh, we've selected earlier, uh, anonymous, uh, the type of uh, binding that we, we have, it's an HTTP trigger, and the direction of this binding. So this is an input binding. Uh, so we are listening to an HTTP uh, trigger. And the name of the object, so um, we can access the... Uh, data on the request, on the HTTP request, uh, by um, accessing the bindings array dot uh, request. And then these are the methods that we're listening to. So by default, we're listening to uh, both get and post methods, but I can definitely uh, edit that. For example, I can say that I'm going to only listen to uh, get methods. Um, and then the output of this uh, method is going to be an HTTP uh, response. And then the code is, um, this is JavaScript. So we have a function that receives two parameters. Uh, the first one is the context object, which we use to communicate with the runtime. And you can see here that in the context, we, uh, we, can, we can use the context object to log information, to set the response um, and to um, we can use it for other operations as well. And this is the classic uh, hello world. So we're checking whether the request has um, a name query parameter. And if that's the case, uh, we are returning hello uh, name. Otherwise, we are returning uh, 400 status. Uh, this doesn't work. Uh, please pass me a name. And is this payload uh, response JSON by default? Uh, yes, yes. That looks super easy. Okay, so now we are ready to uh, run it in our local. Are you excited about that? <laughs> yes, we just made an HTTP server. Yeah, we right? did. Well, we I'm... didn't. You did, but we all, you know, participated in this. Uh, <laughs> You've watched me do it. That's like yeah, time with me. Yeah, I'm empowered. <laughs> the, I the, the 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 cool part about this is that um, if you've worked with serverless before, you'll know that uh, like even with Azure Functions, um, you wouldn't be able to do a lot of local development until recently. So just being able to run things locally and uh, debug them locally—that's just insanely much better than doing things in the portal. And I'm going to show you maybe if we get the chance how um, you can just go back to the browser. When I when I say portal, I mean browser. Uh, so imagine, I mean, we're used to to using browser to write code, uh, but when you work in large teams, that's not fantastic, right? Okay, so I'm going to go to this icon, uh, debug icon. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we already have the VS Code configuration for debugging. Uh, so that's going to be this run function host uh, task. Um, and you can see it here, um, all the definition and um, everything. 
Um, so it just runs the it, it runs this command func host start. Um, so I'm gonna go run. Um, and this will start the Azure Functions runtime. And one thing that I didn't mention is that um, actually Azure Functions is an open source project. Um, and that's why the runtime that we have available in our local is actually um, very similar to what we have. It's very close to the production environment. Uh, so it's what we have running in the cloud as well. And obviously, that means that you can also go ahead and uh, check out the code on GitHub, um, see what the team is working on, submit pull requests. Um, it's awesome. OK, no are inception. To, are you able to simulate load locally as well, like if you wanted to have multiple instances of that function running? Uh, that's a good point. I haven't tried. I'm, I, I have run um, load tests on cloud, but I didn't do that in my local. I'm going to ask that. Cool. <laughs> OK, so um, it's telling us that we haven't passed a name uh, on the query string. Uh, so I'm just going to say here, uh, name equals Bonnie. Hey. Uh, what about me, Simone? And Austin. <laughs> And Sam and Justin and Alyssa. Oh my God, hello everyone. <laughs> Sam's I'm not even here and she got some love. You're going to have to give Brocky some love too. Don't forget Mike Brocky because you know he's going to oh watch this. Oh my goodness. Such. Definitely. <laughs> I was we'll just say, hey, that's what you get for not being here. You should not miss an episode ever. <laughs> Yeah, so then I can go back to my code and I can even go ahead and debug this. So I'm just going to refresh and then it's going to break point um, into my um, function. And then I can uh, maybe inspect variables just like you would do normally um, in an environment where you want to debug stuff and you want to be able to do stuff locally. Um, the reason why hey, I've created... Question yeah. real quick here while I'm thinking about it. So I yes. see this is index.js. Is yes. there TypeScript support? Of course, that is. There is. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, we have uh, TypeScript support in um, in version number in version one. Um, I believe it's being worked on um, in version two as well. You can see if I'm creating. Well, I'm. I'm actually not going to create. I'm going to make sure to use one of my very old functions. Um, if it's this one. But you've got to make the little noise, Simona, when Austin asks you a question, you got to go, psh, psh. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was, was a, that, I love that question. Yeah. <laughs> of course uh, it works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK, so this one has only uh, C Sharp, F Sharp, and JavaScript. So it's definitely a newer uh, function. Or I can enable experimental language support. Did you see that? Yeah, we did. Yeah? It was awesome. Did you see how TypeScript happened to be here and Python and PowerShell and Batch? Who That's likes Python? Cool. No one likes Python. Hey, hey. <laughs> I was harsh. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> I know people who like Python. Don't listen to him. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I know people. I, I like Python as well. I just muted Bonnie. I know. I saw the <laughs> pop up. Austin McDaniel muted Bonnie. That's terrible. 
<laughs> hey, so so then from the Angular side of things, at this point, I mean, we're just talking about making use of the HTTP client to make these HTTP requests to hit these functions. We're getting JSON back, so we're able to parse that. I mean, from the Angular side, it's it's just like we're consuming another HTTP endpoint at this point, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's exactly uh, right. So we, I, I've built things like a very ugly property suggester uh, website. Let me see if I. Is it really ugly? Oh yeah. <laughs> I gotta see this. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, where are my things? So, should be proper. No. Is there a uh, uh, you know Azure uh, package that kind of helps you do stuff in Angular and things like that? Um, you mean for things like connecting to a database or um, deploying to Azure? Um, you know, just. You know, basically like services wrapper services or something like that that allow you to you know get up and running a little quicker so i know that there's um like the library that i came across um today was um library called angular application insights um, and that's a library that will help you get started quickly with monitoring your application in an angular app so do things like understand how long your request takes, send metrics to your backend. That would be a fantastic use case of serverless as well, right? You're um, monitoring your application and you want to send uh, some telemet telemetry uh, to your backend. You can do that with serverless. Um, so I think my website, does that answer your question, uh, Austin? Yeah. You can see that this is a PWA. Um, I think my website is either not working or, or this is just a terrible warm up time. Uh, but no, it's not working. That's usually what happens when you're live streaming. <laughs> yeah, so this is a really bad, ugly website uh, where I'm um, using a functions backend um, to query a Zoopla API. Um, service, which returns a um, list of properties that are available for rent in London because I was looking for a new apartment. And instead of using someone else's services, I thought that, hey, why shouldn't, why wouldn't I just build my own function? And <laughs> <laughs> I love I, you, Simona. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I've built this website and then I've also uh, created a trigger function that will send me emails with a um, list of properties so that, I mean, Eventually, the goal was to create a machine learning model where I would understand if prices um, um, prices go up or down over time, and like whether it's a good time to rent or not. Um, but yeah, so this would be one example. Um, another where we would integrate uh, with Angular very easily. Um, another um, another application that I built was. Um, a machine learning um, app. You've already seen that one. Um, I think it's Appleganger. No, it's 80s. Uh, 
Oh, I remember this from NGConf because Samantha was a match for me. Yeah. And I was so tickled. <laughs> uh, so what I've done with serverless here, I've basically uh, created a series, um, two functions that will, um, one of them will, um, will listen to requests um, to file uploads here and will send that file, that function to a machine learning API uh, that will give me a, a doppelganger or someone from the 80s that I look similar to. And I've also, so that, yeah. I, <laughs> that's not very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other function that I've created that helped me in this application was um, a function that will train my machine learning algorithm. So because two of the tasks were um, actually quite manual, um, if you've watched my ng-conf uh, talk, you will see that uh, basically um, I've started by just downloading a lot of um, 80s characters' pictures manually. And then I figured that I have to upload them manually as well. And I have to have at least five pictures per character. And I have to have at least maybe 20 or three, 30 characters so that my app is relevant and the model that I'm building is uh, functional. So after uh, maybe downloading uh, pictures for five characters, I kind of um, turned back to my brother and be like, you know what, would you please help me download mm -hmm. these images and find some characters and upload them manually? And then while he was doing that, I realized that that's actually the kind of task that I can automate using serverless. Uh, so I've just added a function that queries, um, uses the Bing search API. Um, I just use a search term uh, like Marty McFly, um, add that um, um to the uh, Bing search API query, and it will return me like uh, thousands of pictures that I can just uh, feed into my machine learning algorithm. Does that make sense? That's genius, <laughs> especially the part about making your brother do it. <laughs> but then, so then you go to, uh, to get your brother to do the work for you, and then you go one step further than that and get serverless to do it, so then you don't even need your brother. Yeah, well, I. I do like needing my brother, but yeah, <laughs> so, uh, it, it was it was really cool, and I think that that's that's exactly what serverless does. So ever since I started working with serverless, I feel like it has empowered me to uh, work on all these creative um, applications and feel much more comfortable doing that. So instead of just spending time thinking, oh, how do I do this? I have to spin up a server. I have to do that. I have to, maybe I'll just go grab a beer uh, and have fun with friends. Um, yeah. Um, now with serverless, I feel like I have to spend less time on that. So how do you, uh, in your function, if you want to use some other library, like how are you going to bring that in? Like, is there a package JSON? Like yeah. So you can uh, so from here uh let's say that i'm gonna wait um i can so one of the examples that i have is retrieving data from a cosmos db um instance uh, cosmos db is a database a no database um available in the cloud in azure so i can just go ahead um, hello lucy um npm in it leave everything default yes this is perfectly fine 
no time wasted, no energy wasted. <laughs> and this has created a package.json file at the root of my project. Um, and then I just, I, I run npm uh, install. Um, and this will install um, node modules for, for our application. Uh, the great part here is that uh, because um, we have our node modules um, at app, uh, application level, um, that means that um, we can share those modules um, in between functions. So then in my function, I can go ahead and do, oh, um, Mongo um, request, and then MongoDB, and so on. And then I'm going to use this here. Does that help, uh, Justin? Yeah, yeah, exactly what I was wondering. So then you you have this like there's a certain degree of how far you can go with right with the dependencies that you need on here before you might need your own you know back in a, or, or a hosted service or something server or something like that. Like for example, if you needed to connect to like an Oracle database and you needed actual Oracle drivers on that instance, you're not going to be able to really handle that with a function. Is that correct? Uh, so. Uh, yeah, that, that should be right. Unless you have, um, like here we are using, we're going to connect to, um, um, MongoDB, um, that's hosted somewhere in the cloud. That should be fine. Um, if I'm writing a Java application and I need that, uh, Oracle, uh, driver, uh, I can definitely import it in my application and that's fine. Um, the more dependencies you have, um, the longer your startup time or the longer your warm-up time will be. So you have to be um, conscious of that as well. Um, one of the things that uh, we can do to reduce that time is uh, share uh, connection, um, connection, connections to the database. Um, so you can imagine, I can show you some of the, um, I have a repository here that I've worked on recently to test um, how much time I'm saving by sharing a connection between uh, my functions or between runs. So even though I mentioned that uh, you shouldn't rely on, um, on creating uh, like data that's saved in between um, runs, actually in reality, uh, you're gonna reuse, we're gonna reuse the same container a couple of times until that's gonna be um, that's going to be deleted. Um, so in order to um, save time, uh, you can share um, the MongoDB connection. So what I'm doing here is I have this um, this file utils.js uh, where I'm uh, importing the MongoDB package and then I'm creating the, uh, the connection. Um, and then I'm returning that um, as part of my function and then um, in, for example, in get puppies, um, I am I am importing that connection. I'm calling connect and then I'm querying, uh, I'm executing a query. So without the connection um, reuse that you see here, um, I a, a call was taking around 600 milliseconds um, every single time. Whereas uh, with connection reuse um, or connection pooling, right, kind of, <laughs> Uh, it was taking 200 milliseconds. 
So three times less the time. Um, and I thought that was brilliant. So I recommend reusing some, some of that connection, but I've moved away completely from your question, Justin. That's what happens when I don't see people that I'm talking with. <laughs> That's, that's quite all right, because then we explore other avenues and get more information, so it's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, another thing that I wanted to mention, I think um, that should be related to your question as well. Um, whenever we're uh, creating functions, um, there's, there's quite a, an amazing integration with other um, cloud resources. So if I go back to my previous function, um, the one that I, uh, we've seen earlier, um, we can there's in the browser, there's this um, integrate panel uh, where we, I can define inputs. Uh, so say, for example, I want to listen to, uh, to, to a connection to Cosmos DB um, instance. So I want to listen to events happening on Cosmos DB. Like for example, whenever a new, um, a record has been added to my collection. Um, I can do that with functions by just um, just going um, in this on this page, um, and then I'm defining the object that I want to work with. Uh, what's the database that I want to query? Uh, what's the collection name? And then I I'm also uh, finding the database that I want to connect to as selecting one of the the ones that are listed here. So this is what you have in the portal. And then in order to um, install, to, to have a similar experience in your local, um, what we have to do is install an extension. For example, a Cosmos DB extension in my local. And I would do that by using the uh, CLI here, just uh, do things like func install ex extension. Um, almost like uh, we do with uh, NPM. And then I would say Cosmos DB and give it the version. And then I'm able to use, uh, think that that's what, um, what bindings help us with. Uh, we would use that connection to Cosmos DB as a binding. So, my point here was to say that it's easy to, uh, even though, um, like, once you have more um, integration with more services, um, actually your provider will help you with that. So it's not only Azure, um, all the, the rest of the providers will normally have great integration out of the box um, designed for serverless with other services. Have you seen people um, as they approach this and start thinking about, you know, when do I, how far do I go with serverless? I get excited about it. I can make these functions. It's pretty clean. It's like this little isolated chunks of things I can do, get and post and put and delete. Like, um, is there a danger of, or, or maybe it's warranted and welcome of just saying, well, I'm not even going to build an endpoint for my API. I'm just going to build individual functions to handle all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So Oh, you mean uh, have people go um, uh, create very, very small um, types of tasks or? Yeah, um, like like if I'm sitting here going, okay, I need to build something that, that lists out orders and allows placement of an order and edit of products or something like that. And I need to build an API backend for that. 
oh, functions are awesome. They're easy to do. They're self-contained. Like, can I just micro break all that in and just have a bunch of those? Um, that, you know, like, how do you, well, how's that mindset play in? Like, is that something we want or not? Or that that's actually recommended, right? Because, uh, and it is recommended because, um, if you think of all those tasks that you've mentioned, um, it might happen that, um, some of them are, um, so think about, um, you have, um, a function that's creating orders, a function that's reading users, or you may ha might have certain tasks that are called uh, more often than others. Um, and I think that breaking them down, obviously, it helps you uh, test them better, isolate them. But also, if you think of this in terms of scale and pricing, um, so if you have some functions that um, are, or some functionality that's called and used more often than other, um, with serverless, that kind of functionality will um, will be scaled out of the box quite easily. Whereas uh, you won't pay, um, um, you you won't have to scale everything uh, at the same time. You will just scale the parts of your application that are um, are most used. Yeah, it's very cool. So, you know, it's a different paradigm of a way of thinking as, as we move forward of how do we tackle these problems, you know, and, and having this in the bag as, as an option here is really, you know, starting about, but like you mentioned before, you mentioned and Austin, you know, reiterated this, that, you know, we're talking HTTP, we're talking stateless, right? And so it's kind of, it really fits well. Yeah, yeah. And another uh, scenario that I, I, I was uh, talking with Nick Graff, uh, he used to work with serverless framework, which is a framework that um, abstracts um, away the deployment um, for different providers. Um, so um, we were talking about integration um, of serverless with GraphQL. Um, and why is that ideal? Um, and with GraphQL, um, what we do, we we take instead of having different endpoints as we do with uh, REST um, APIs generally, we do have only one endpoint, um, and then we abstract the the other the operations, um, and we can query different types, different fields. Um, so what that means is that obviously all your um, all your requests will go through that one particular endpoint, uh, which means that that particular endpoint has to scale really well and it has to handle like uh, from 10 requests to gazillion number of requests um, at the same time. Um, and guess what? <laughs> That's what serverless does, right? It knows how to scale a particular single endpoint or single uh, task. Uh, very well. And that's why um, serverless is also uh, very, um, like matches very well uh, GraphQL as well. That's pretty good for scaling. A gazillion tasks. You got this. You can do this. <laughs> very cool. All right, well, we're at the top of the hour. Is there any last kind of bits you want to add there before we wrap it up? You want to um, I think I, I'd like to mention um, again how cool it is to be able to um to run things locally and debug things locally i, I didn't get to show all the goodies that you have um with vs code and the azure functions extension but i highly recommend to everyone who wants to get started with serverless um to just do it um in uh using vs code uh, with the azure functions extension that's been like the the, the best 
um, the best thing that has happened. Um, otherwise, uh, if you have any questions about serverless, do reach out to me. Um, and um, I'm I'm looking forward to learning what you're building because I think that um, serverless, apart from being this great solution for scaling applications and um, building um, very good maybe background tasks. I think it's also super cool because it enables us to be very creative with how we implement stuff. I do have one more I question. I do have. Yeah. Um, so is there like a, a pretty generous like introduction tier for people? Like, like could they get started writing some serverless stuff if they don't have a whole lot of traffic or very minimal amount of cost for them to get in there and start doing something? Uh, so with all, um, like with all serverless providers, you will have a, a free tier, and that's like uh, two million requests that you get out of the box and a lot of um, a lot of memory. So um, if you want to get started with that, um, that's super um, that that that's that's available. Uh, I'm trying not to say super easy. I know it's not great to use the easy word. <laughs> it's, it's very approachable, right? Yes, it's approachable. Um, and then there's tutorials about how to get started with serverless. Uh, tons of them. I can share some resources. John and I worked on a play-by-play um, -play, uh, on Pluralsight um, with how to uh, create an API um, using serverless. Well, I, I know we're out of time, but I had a question too, but I've been delaying because it's, it's an off-topic question. But since you brought it up, I, here's my question. And don't worry, we won't tell anyone so you can be honest. What's it like working for John Papa? Amazing. Just between you and us. <laughs> between me and uh, and you. <laughs> uh, John is just an amazing person. He's, he's such a nice guy. He's so easy to work with. And he cares so much about people. I think that that's the one thing that I like. you don't see on the screen. Like John has been my my hero uh, before meeting him and after meeting him. But before meeting him, I had no idea that he was so nice and candid. And um, I feel like he's always fighting for um, for me, for us, for our team. And he's always helping us with uh, different ideas. It's just, it's just so cool. <laughs> he is pretty cool. Yeah, I was a big fan of John Papa before I ever met him with that. I think that was the hot towel and the, uh, the very first style guide. Uh, I was I was a big fan, but if you hear this, John, don't let it go to your head. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been great chatting with all of you, and I hope that this was a good feel for what serverless can help you with. I hope that Austin during this presentation has still raised his eyebrow and like this is interesting. <laughs> Do of give course. me your yeah. Of course, I I, I loved it. I actually learned, uh, I had some questions uh, that I asked throughout the thing. So I learned uh, quite a bit. So it was it was really great. Thanks for coming on. I saw his eyebrows go up multiple times. And I saw a lot of nodding from Justin too. So that was a very good presentation. Because if Austin's eyebrows go up and Justin nods, that's pretty awesome. Well, that's great to hear. Thank you, Vani. <laughs> yeah, very, cool. very cool. Well, do we want to do some picks real quick? Anybody have any picks? I have one quick pick if you have time. Oh yeah, we have picks. All right, let's do this. Bonnie. Uh, so I'm gonna pick a person actually, cause you know, sometimes I do that and I wasn't sure if I was allowed to, but I am allowed to, so I'm gonna pick a person. 
that you've probably never heard of. And this is a pretty cool developer um, that I think is going to be up and coming this year. So keep an eye on Josh Hicks at Hicks Dev on Twitter. You might not have heard of him, and I think he has like 20 followers, but let's get him some more because he's a pretty cool guy, and I think he's going to be doing some cool stuff this year. That's my pick. Don't tell Josh I said that. <laughs> Dropping names. I love it. That's awesome. Don't tell Josh. He's going to kill me. <clears throat> All right. Who else? Awesome. Uh, Simona? Okay. Yeah, either one. Okay, I'm gonna go first. Um, so Serverless Days London, Serverless Days is a, a community conference that has been has started in London as JFConf, um, has been rebranded to be inclusive. Um, and we can see a lot of conferences coming up all over the world. There's gonna be one in Seattle and in many other places. But the one in London, I'm helping organize uh, and it's gonna happen on this Friday. Uh, I'm excited about it. Sarah Dresner is gonna be there as well. So I'm gonna be uh, close to my team as well. Um, and my second pick is uh, the Angular Dublin meetup happening on the 12th of July. And I'm picking that because of Austin, because someone is actually going to be presented presenting on his work, which is uh, NGXS. Uh, I'm excited about that. So uh, if you're in Dublin, go to that meetup. Nice. Very cool. Uh, Austin? Yes. So... Um... First of all, I went and watched the new Jurassic Park. It was super awesome. Everyone highly, highly advise it. It's, um, it's out. It's out now. It is. <laughs> uh, second, um, Shadow Dom uh, version one has is landing in Angular six point one. It uh, the commit got merged. It's official. Shadow Dom is now landing in Angular. And then the second one is uh, how portals work in the Angular CDK. And uh, great blog post uh, talking about the Angular CDK and um, you know a lot of the hidden stuff. We actually had an episode a week before last on the Angular CDK uh, that, that, that's going on that really power Angular material. That's it. Wait, where's that blog post? Justin will tweet it out. It's on the internet. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> All right. Anyone else? Alyssa, got any picks? I don't know. Uh, I have, uh, so it's an oldie, like, I think it was published last year. It's a blog post, but it's a goodie because uh, I've been diving more into Angular animations lately. And so uh, I don't want to mess up his last name, but I will post a link to it. Alex. Suau. <laughs> That's got to be wrong. I'm so sorry, Alex. Uh, but yes, it's really a good post. And then the fun part about it is that there's a bunch of stack blitzes like chunked throughout the post and that's like my favorite part i was i was like super sucked in because i was just reading through the post this morning and i was like oh yeah this is interesting and then uh, there's like these parts in the stack blitz he's like uncommented to see this thing happen and i'm like no way so i uncommented it and it worked and i was like oh and i look up you know like 30 minutes later because i'm like editing the code and playing with it so i love when that happens so i think it was a magical post for that reason so yes i will post the link in the notes i think we should all learn that last name too because that sounds pretty cool it's not, <laughs> to make a to make a blog post into interactive fun is pretty cool s-u-a-u i don't know how you'd say that and you know who else is a big fan of angular animation samantha I know. I'm actually going to talk to her later about it today. So. There you go. Awesome. 
All right. Well, Simona, thanks so much for coming on and sharing the time. We really appreciate it. This was super fun. This was a really good episode. Loved it. Thank you for having me. All right. That's a wrap. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, I have bonus. one more pick. One more pick. Uh, so I love Stack Blitz. It's like my favorite in the entire world, but I found this other tool similar to Stack Blitz the other day. And I was really impressed. So I have to give it a shout out. It's called Code Sandbox. They just announced support for Angular, Vue, React, all of them. Uh, and it's got a lot of uh, really interesting things. Some things that Stackblitz has, Stackblitz has things that it doesn't have, but it's definitely worth checking out. All right, got it in there before the buzzer. Like it. All right, that's a wrap. I think so. Yeah. Okay, we're good. All right, have a good one. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. Later.